We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the BearCast, presented and a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by Blue Wire Hustle. If you are trying to hustle, make sure you are hustling with Blue Wire. Rob, we are here. It is Monday uh, in March. How about that? Guess what? We're not going to be enjoying in March. A lot of basketball, men's basketball that is, and women's basketball, but mainly the ire is at men's basketball. But what's going on with you, Rob? How you doing? We are now approaching the one-year mark of the pandemic. Um, this past weekend was the weekend that we launched the Right for California website literally a year ago. Our launch party was on February 29th, um, and we were supposed to launch like this first week of March. So it's been a year like, and it's crazy how it's already been a year. Does that make it one year that we've been on blue wire then? I probably, I haven't checked the actual date, but I think it's somewhere right around here. Hopefully it's not this episode. So like we, we can actually celebrate the anniversary. (laughs) Could be. (coughs) Sometimes you don't get to choose. (laughs) Sometimes we definitely do not. We definitely do not, but we're here nonetheless. We're talking about some Cal news. Not much to go over uh, this week, but we figure we might as well keep up the content for all you cool cats and kittens that are listening out there to our podcast. So we're back um, and we're talking. So let's get right to it. Let's start with some very good news. Got some. uh, The first thing, the undefeated undefeated. God, undefeated women's swimming and diving team headed to the Pac-12 championships this past weekend. And uh, Andy, what do you think happened to the undefeated women's swimming and diving team this past weekend? I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say they kept their undefeatedness. Yeah, they are the Pac-12 champions. Um, They defeated Stanford, UCLA, USC, Utah. Arizona, Washington State, it was over. They won. 
And congrats to them. Now, do you remember when we were in school? Yes. Capital One used to actually sponsor the... It was like the total number of championships that a team... That, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. that a school won. Yeah. Does anyone still care about that or did they just... Did not really anymore? No, I think that's still a thing. Okay. I just don't know if it's still Capital One. We used to be really good. Like top 10. Yeah, yeah. Every we, year. Consistently. Yeah, yeah. yeah consistently. Um. Who knows? Maybe we're in the running for that again this year because we have some other uh, sports to talk about around the Cal fandom. Uh, Cal's this is all news from this past weekend. Cal men's swimming beats Stanford in the regular season final regular season tune-up, which means that they're also headed um, to the Pac-12 champions looking to repeat. Um, according to our writer Ray. The Bears stayed perfect in, in dual meets this year with the win and also extended their dual meet winning streak to 14 straight, dating back to 2018. The Golden Bears will look to repeat as Pac-12 champions next week before battling Texas for the NCAA crown the week after that. RightForCalifornia.com will have you covered for all things men's and women's swimming at the NCAA National Championships. Next now, thing. Oh, go ahead. Before next thing. Men's and women swimming diving yep and water polo yes traditionally fall sports right traditionally i believe so yes and they've been pushed due to mm -hmm. pandemic same with i believe soccer which is playing right now as well which yeah is soccer definitely is definitely a fall, a fall sport, fall sport. Yeah. um and then of course baseball just started up too but they're they're spring sport so yeah pretty cool that they're back on campus and yeah from what we've heard no big major outbreaks or anything like that. So, nope. Um, some other sports news. Number one, Cal men's water polo defeats rivals UCLA and USC. So that's good. They're back on top. They will be the top seed at the MPSF championship next weekend. Cal would need one more win, uh, semis versus USC or third place match to secure a spot at the NCAA championship. That only has room uh, for three out of Cal, UCLA, USC, and Stanford. The Bears have beaten all of their rivals at least once in 2021. So one win over this next week, and they got a shot. Got a shot. Rolling. Rolling, Rolling right now. So some tennis news for you, Andy. Number 17 Cal women's tennis beats number three UCLA and UC Santa Barbara. Let's go. Love that. Four to three. Four to yeah, three close. against uh, so UCLA. And six to one against UCSB. So the SB bash is a blowout, but I don't know if people how many tennis fans we have in here. But college tennis is an absolute blast if you haven't been to a live tennis match. But the way it generally shakes out is you have uh, a bunch of singles matches and then uh, two flights of doubles. Mm -hmm. So uh, and it all ladders up, I believe, to so I think it would be what five singles, two doubles. Two doubles. And uh, it generally, when you have a match that's like four three, you know, you're coming down to a, what's called like a final court, and that means that you know it's kind of winner take home has all of the excitement. And if you have fans in the stands, you have a lot of oozas, big celebrations, devastating moments, all that good stuff. So when we get back to normal, I, I hope that anyone that hasn't had that opportunity to go out and watch or. You know, if you have kids that are getting into tennis and you've never really considered seeing it live at the collegiate level, it's a ton of fun. And the Hellman courts are great. 
great seating. I used to go uh, back in when I was in college, and I traveled out to Stanford uh, to watch the men's team play USC in the uh, in the tournament, and uh, I just had a ton of fun with those guys. So uh, both support the guys, gals, great teams, great people. Go Bears! Yeah, the women's team is now moved up from 17th to 12th after that weekend. That's so they're, huge. They're moving on up. Um, number nine, Cal Women's Gymnastics sets new season high at Oregon State. Not bad. Cal Women's Water Polo wins two matches this past week. Cal Men's Gymnastics beats Springfield College. Sorry, I'm just I'm running through a, a bunch of these <laughs> just because they're like they're I don't want to say they're insignificant, but they're not like, you know, they're advancing to the NCAA tournament. Like it's just they're like regular season victories, right? It's very it's very good news. It's very good news. Cross country opens up with a win with women's uh or they didn't take a, they didn't take a win. It was women's finishing second and men's finishing third. It was their just their first. Um and then women's basketball, of course, they had that upset win over Arizona State, which was huge. With Leilani McIntosh. I believe we talked about it last week. Um but yeah, that was a that was a good capper um to the season. Women's softball team beat uh, St. Mary's College with a walk-off, which that's always fun. Whenever you, and then the men, the men's, the men's baseball team, just the baseball team, um, they had a walk-off victory against Pacific in their season opener. It's all about the walk-offs, baby. All about the walk-offs. If you haven't seen the walk-off yet, uh, it's on Cal Baseball's Twitter from February twentieth, and it's a little video that you can go see. It's really cool because it's a it's from behind the plate, and you can see the you can see the swing, you can see the ball go out, and like they know they won, and everyone's cheering and having fun. So, Evans Diamond, um, our very own Owen Kaminsky on Right for California, he's got that covered over there, so he'll be there for most of the home games. Where are we at in regards to Andrew Vaughn watch with the White Sox? I don't know. That's a very good question. Um, he's ranked on MLB.com as the number one prospect in their system with an yeah. ETA of 2021 this year at first base do they have a first baseman I know I know yeah they were Jose log- Abreu. Abreu yeah 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 so they were log I know they were log jammed at first base um I think when they drafted him and that's why people were like why are they drafting him I mean I guess they were taking the best player on the board but they were like they don't have a really need for him um yeah they could move Abreu to DH though because it's AL yeah, uh, but I mean that's crazy because I mean their number two is Michael Co- uh, Co- Kopich. Kopich, can't remember yeah. how to say that. It's once I'm in fantasy baseball swing, I'll get the name right. Yeah, and then uh, Nick Madrigal, who's a big prospect for them too. So and he's number one. Yeah, crazy. So I'm looking at a I'm looking at an article on Fansided uh, for the White Sox website, and apparently, and this was posted two minutes ago. Okay. Um. Jose Abreu did not arrive at camp with everyone else due to COVID-19. It was a cause for minor concern. Um, despite being asymptomatic, the Chicago White Sox were forced to spend the first couple of days of spring training without their MVP first baseman. That's why Vaughn has been getting the opportunity to get the majority of the first team reps at first base. And apparently he rose to the occasion and people took notice. The White Sox have made it clear the mentality is World Series or bust. I'm not too sure about that, but okay. Uh, Vaughn has only played 55 professional games yet to experience the step up and fill the void at designated hitter. 
uh, position. That's a tall task for a 22-year-old kid, yet he seems unfazed. The White Sox released a video of Vaughn in the cage launching six consecutive bombs. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh, this oh this is cool. Uh, Tony Larusa had to, this to say about uh, Vaughn. First of all, if it's in a cage or he's taking live batting practice, and I'm sure it would be the same in a game. He doesn't ever step up, step in there when he's not ready to do damage. He's got that hitter's attitude. Second, he has no fear. And third, he works left, center, right, center, which is what high average hitters do. Produce a lot of RBIs, a lot of home runs. They start a lot of rallies. In other words, what I'm saying is very impressive. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Really hope he gets traded to the Giants. Really hope. <laughs> You're going to have to give up a lot to get their their number one prospect. Yeah, it's not happening. You hand, what, handing off a B-Craw? I mean, okay, so here's what could conceivably happen. Giants have signed a bunch of really good, like, one-year deals with, like, people like Scott Casimir. You know, like, okay, Casimir, <laughs> like, he, he throw like, clocked in 93 to 95. It's been you 84 know? years. <laughs> so... So it's like we've signed a bunch of these dudes like Aaron Sanchez, like just yeah. a lot of players that could, you know, maybe they, they were in San Francisco. They pitch well. All right. risk And then gambles. at the deadline, yeah. we can be, you know, shopping. And then maybe you get somebody like the White Sox to the, if they really think they can push World Series this year, which obviously they're trying to go to if they hire Tony La Russa. Um, Maybe you get them to bite on something like that. It's very, 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 very optimistic thinking. But <laughs> you never know. Like, who knows? Maybe Crawford breaks out or maybe Brandon Belt has a career year and we finally trade him. <laughs> and you get uh, you get Andrew Vaughn. You'd buy that jersey in an instant. Like you would like as soon as the trade the trade. I'd go like, next level. Show. I'd buy the get the retro Cal jersey, dude. That'd be epic. <laughs> What do you, I think you wore number 20 at Cal. Yeah. Perfect. My favorite number. Match made in heaven. All right. Let's review this in July, and we'll see if the Giants – come on, Farhan. Farhan's a Cal guy, right? Or no, MIT. 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 Damn. Yeah. So close. But nonetheless. Other side of the feels, country, but close enough. Feels like a Cal guy. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. We'll see. But we'll see. But something we are looking forward to seeing oh, is our boy he, PhD, UC Berkeley. I okay. knew it was there. So he is a Cal I guy. I knew it was there. He is a Cal I knew guy. it was there. Right. Yeah. He's going to make it happen. Let's hope that he trades for a Cal guy. I'm going to put in some calls. I'm going to put in some calls. <laughs> Farhan. Farhan and I will get on the phone. We'll talk yeah. strategy. Yeah. Aaron yes. Sanchez, <laughs> Scott Casimir for Andrew Vaughn straight up in July. You heard it here first. <laughs> I just imagine you as like the Jonah Hill character in Moneyball, just like on the yeah. phone next to Farhan. Yes, <laughs> they went for it. <laughs> uh, well, a better pivot here is one thing we are looking forward to seeing, and it's actually really happening. Jalen Brown was selected to his first All Star game of his career, so he it's wasn't crazy. He wasn't listed as a starter. Uh, he received 1,400,1,416 votes, which put him at fifth in the Eastern Conference guards. Um, so he wasn't voted in automatically, but he was picked as a reserve by the coaches. Um, just some 
some reasons why he's picked is uh, he's having a career. He's 13th in, 13th in the league, 13th in the league in scoring at 25.7 points per game, 23rd in the league in player efficiency rating at 22.05, and he's averaging career highs in points, assists, three-point percentage, which is a blistering 40.2% from three, and is a career highs also in field goal percentage and free throw percentage. We're not sure if he's going to be on Team LeBron or... I don't know who the other t- team captain is. Is it, is it Kevin Durant? Um, I can't remember. Or is it Giannis? I can't remember. Um, but we're not sure which team he's playing on. But the that draft is happening on March 4th, which is in a couple days. And the All-Star game is happening this coming weekend on March 7th. I never thought I'd see the day. I always hoped I would see the day. But it's finally here. We're gonna have. I honestly believe we're gonna have a perennial All Star for like the next four or five years in Jalen. I just I don't see that that drop off coming anytime soon. Yeah, in some ways it sort of feels shocking that it hasn't already happened with his ascent sort of coming. I think you know last year and the year before, but for sure, I mean he's he's been unbelievable this year. So it just it it's the beginning, and I think it points to one it's just kind of crazy to me that ivan rab is is he even in, like in the he's developmental in the, league somewhere yeah he's in the g league with the delaware the delaware i can't remember what the name is but it's the 76ers is g league team so it's like we thought ivan was going to be you know yeah really the guy like one of the the main you know nba prospects and then jalen obviously kind of came in at the last minute and was just kind of out of this world that we got him to come to Cal, but it does feel like we need to take advantage in major <laughs> ways if we can as a program because that doesn't happen all the time. And to get someone like that that's performing, that I mean, it's huge. He's such mm-hmm. a good dude, such a yeah. fun guy to root for. Yeah, it just sucks with Ivan because I think for him it's just his skill set. He was on like the cusp of like a – like a change in style in the NBA. Whereas Jalen fit the mold perfectly as he became this, what, like 6'7", 6'8", forward who can guard basically one through four, especially if you play a smaller lineup. And in that, like, you know, positionless basketball and the three-point shooting as a guard, whereas Ivan didn't really have that. And it, it just, it passed him by. But... I mean, he's still young. He still has time to make it to the league. He's still in the G League. Like people, and you know, the Knicks picked him up after the the Grizzlies let him go. Uh, clearly, people still think like he has the potential to play in the NBA. Otherwise, he wouldn't be sticking around the G League like this. He tried to apply his trade, you know, overseas or whatnot. Because I think he could dominate if he went overseas. But he wants. And what to happened know. with Jabari Bird? Like, have we ever really gotten the? Uh... You know, after the domestic violence, right? Yeah, it just it it just like I think it's kind of faded in the background, or it's just like still waiting trial dates. Mm, right, it's just one of those situations. But yeah, so yeah, and like Ty Ty Wallace is still trying to get in the league. He's with the uh, he's with the Clippers G League team. Um, so you know, these guys are still trying to still trying to make it as a pro. 
one player on our existing team strikes me as someone who will be able to play at the next level. If you're doing your draft hat, where do you think they'll go? So the thing with – so I know you're alluding to Matt Bradley. And mm -hmm. the thing with Matt is that he's 6'4", which is – undersized for a shooting guard or small forward but that's the style he plays and he hasn't played as a point guard here at cal so i don't he doesn't have the skill set to be a point guard at least i don't know that he has because we haven't seen him play as a point guard but you know the defense is there you know the you know the mental aspect of the game is there you know his three-point shooting is there and like his body type is there right he's he's just he's built like a tank um but the thing is, one, he hasn't gotten the exposure because he's on such a bad team. But also at the same time, when he's playing against the bigger teams, which is where the scouts are at, you would think that he would get some notice. But clearly it hasn't translated into that because he's not on any draft boards. He's not on any of the major like NBA draft boards so like that you find on the internet, like NBADraft.net and some of the other ones. Uh, he's just not there. So is is he projected to leave though? I don't think he was projected to leave. Well, I mean he 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 can't. I mean you can leave whenever you want, right? And if it's a guy who's fifth in the scoring in the league, you'd think that he'd get some looks. Yeah. He's just it's just not there. So I do wonder um, what he's going to decide to do. I I hope he's back, but I wouldn't. I want to put it like. I wouldn't be upset if he decided to leave, you know, and get some more exposure somewhere else. I don't think he's the type of guy to just, like, leave like that. Um, you know, he's already stuck around here for three years, despite losing every single year. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe he wants a change of scenery. I mean, you can't help but think of, like, him looking at what Justice is doing or any of the other guys, like, that have transferred elsewhere and are thriving and you know, getting looks at, you know, the NCAA tournament and getting to play at a high level. Like he, you have to think he's, there's a bit of him that wants to do that too. So your analysis is not sure if he's in round one or round two. I mean, yeah, just judging by, cause I mean, I trust those like NBA draft.net and all those, you know, draft guys a lot more than my head. I, I honestly think his skill set is perfect for the NBA because he shoots threes. He's a guard who is very and is very good defensively already. I think he could be a second rounder easy, but he also has to test well, right? Like, I think his wingspan might be a little bit larger than you'd think it actually is. Uh, but yeah, six four, a six four off guard is not something that you want in the NBA right now, especially when you're asked to guard multiple positions, like you know. Just knowing that Jalen's like 6'7", 6'8", right? So if Jalen's playing shooting guard for the Boston Celtics and Matt's playing shooting guard, you know, for some other team, like that's a – Jalen can do a lot more defensively than Matt can. Right. Speaking of guys who can do a lot more, Mr. Colin Morikawa, going back to Cal Golf here wins the WGC Workday Championship, his fourth PGA Tour victory. 
He also took home one point, over, little over one point eight million in prize money. Uh, he's it's it's incredible. I him and Max Homa in back to back weeks, Cal guys taking home PGA you know tournament victories. It's like unheard of. And then did you see the did you see the Max Homa tweet? Yeah. That this is it is it golf for you? And then you know Morikawa quote tweeted. He's like go Bears. Um, I thought that was awesome. And then there were so many people that like retweeted and quote tweeted that. Like it was like Mitchell Schwartz had something on it um ron rivera had something on it mike silver had something on it like it was it was crazy uh, and <clears throat> watches uh watch his thing it's was, it was super cool and there's a also a video clip with his coach walter chun who's the cal uh golf coach <laughs> and that uh, this is a hot take this is a hot take now he said the one thing that you don't know about colin is that he puts his milk first before he puts his cereal in because he wants his cereal to be crispy that is insane. <laughs> Who puts milk first before their cereal? It makes no sense to me at all. It makes no sense. <laughs> That's so wild. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Two points from Gryffindor. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not good at all. That's not. Uh that's great though. Yeah, I got a couple of texts. It's like Cal Golf School now. I was yeah. like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are doing so well in the non uh money, you know, quote unquote money sports. Hey, why not embrace it? I mean, this, you could have a worse reputation. So these guys going out, crushing it, representing the university well. It's awesome. So I mean, look, yeah, look, at, in the PGA alone, it's Colin, it's Max, Ben on, James Hahn, Michael Kim, Brandon Hagee. They're all PGA Tour guys, right? And I and I need to say three of which are Koreans. So you know, <laughs> uh, but Ray also listed like some of the wins over the last few years, like James Hahn Northern Trust Open 2015, James Hahn Wells Fargo Championship in 2016, Michael Kim John Deere Classic 2018, uh, Max Homa Wells Fargo Championship 2019, Colin Morikawa Barracuda Championship 2019, Workday Charity Open 2020, PGA Championship. Um, in 2020, Max Homa, the Genesis Invitational, which was that last week, 2021, Colin Morikawa, this one. So we've won quite a bit over the last like five years or so, more mostly over the last like two years. But it's cool. It's cool to see that these guys like played, applied their trade here and they turned pro and they're like, they're really good. Yeah, and it's not easy to make the tour mm-hmm. in in and of in and of itself. So mm-hmm. that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's it for some very good news. There's no bad news today. Um, so we move on to the bulk of our conversation, which is uh, a couple things, but I think uh, it's going to be pretty short and sweet. First thing is Cal f- Spring Football started up last week, last Wednesday. Woohoo! Spring football looks. No media is allowed in, um, so it's basically turned into closed practice like the Tedford ears. Uh, but we do get some glimpses on the Instagram page, the Twitter page, with like the videos that they've been putting up. And uh, one interesting one that we saw today was Mike Safeld running the running back drill of ball security, which was like, like what, why? Why is he running that? Um, but I'm pretty sure it was just for like fumble reasons. Um, that That was my take, but... Some uh, some notes, some keynotes. 
was that Tevin Paul um, has moved on from football, according to Coach Wilcox. That was announced last week. Uh, Wilcox said he became a dang good player for us, and he hoped to see Paul return to Memorial Stadium as an alum. Um, he also said uh, fullback H-back isn't listed on the roster, but he reaffirmed that there would be no major changes in Musgraves' usage of fullbacks. He hinted that there's a plan in place to test certain players in that role. He also quoted in saying, Gavin Reinwald's a guy that can do some of those things. On defense, he said that uh, Trey Pastor has shifted to inside linebacker. We thought that Trey, because of his build, he might put on weight really easy, and he's gone up 10 pounds from the fall to 225. We played him last year at our star position, which is really an outside linebacker, and we're giving him reps at inside linebacker. Um, the next thing is, last fall, two other freshmen, Jeremiah Hunter and Stanley McKenzie, garnered praise during practice but can stay healthy during the season. Wilcox confirmed that both are healthy and are back on the field uh, to start spring ball. They're part of a larger group of young players that Wilcox believes will have a spring that is incredibly important to them. And apparently, Jeremiah Hunter had a monster grab um, on Saturday, according to Bill Musgrave. So uh, those are some of the, the comments from Justin Wilcox. Of course, our own Owen Kaminsky is doing all our press conferences. So uh, I'm just going through some of the real quick quotes here uh, from Musgrave. He says the quarterbacks are battling, trying to get better. Uh, he said that uh, he said it's the Princeton education and the NFL experience of Chris that drew Musgrave's attention when filling the position with Musgrave saying, I got a lot smarter as the coach the day we hired cheap. <laughs> um, did you know this? Did you know that uh, Jeep Chris also helped found a Silicon Valley company that focuses on game analytics? No. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. So he's, he's a big guy on, on advanced analytics and stats. And that's like one of the things he's going to bring to the table. But I also had no idea that he actually helped found like a sports analytics company which is i think super cool you know the name do you know the name i do not know the name but that's something that we could easily find out yeah um he said uh also backup qb remains unclear but he was hesitant and uh musgrave was hesitant to talk about the order and they practiced and said everybody's getting to play he doesn't anticipate naming one until fall camp and then also he said is that a starter or backup backup what about starter starter cemented as chase I don't. I, they haven't. They haven't uh, fielded or like you know made it an open competition. Okay. I mean, someone could blow Chase out of the water, you know. But I think they're gonna stick to that. Chase is our starter thing. Um, and then Sermon talked about Trey Pastor's acceptance to the inside linebacker role, and they said uh, he'll explore a couple different options in in terms of Coin Deng's placement on the field. He says packages are yet to be determined. There was a specific package that you saw in the YouTube or the Twitter and IG accounts with coin or those pictures with coin dang on one side, Cam Good on the other, and then Tattersall at inside linebacker, and then there was someone else at inside linebacker. I couldn't tell. It's probably Isefa or maybe even Trey Pastor. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. And then uh, just some last quotes from today before I get your thoughts, Andy. Um, Wilcox, we got Wilcox again today. They asked about Jermaine Terry. He said the freshman is learning at a rapid pace. He says also the team as a collective this year gained 647 pounds in the offseason. That's, that's insane. And 90% of it was in Evan Tarasol's belly. <laughs> 
we should we should have laughed, but I also at the same time I know like by the time spring football is over, that belly's gone. Oh, it's gone. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like gone. yeah, they're gonna work him to like it's just the amount of calories he's burning. That's just that's just one of those quotes that if the players do listen, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're sorry, but you you can't blame us. You got to blame the guy who took the picture. You, you definitely yeah. got to blame them. It wasn't a it wasn't a a, a good good uh, angle. Uh, also, at right tackle, the Bears haven't determined a starter yet. Daltoso, Cindric, and Craig have all received snaps. Um, Wilcox says to expect the DB announcement, quote unquote, soon, but reiterates that he doesn't want to rush the process. Wilcox is actually coaching the DBs right now with, uh, I think, grad assistant Ryan Condry. Um, And then also, yeah, he says freshman Jeremiah Hunter is running at full speed and made a memorable catch down the middle in practice today. Okay, so that was today, not the other day. Uh, Wilcox says that Brett Johnson has been paying a lot of four eye to start off spring ball. Uh, also said that Colin Gamble is playing both nickel and corner and that Caleb Higgins flashes his tools and just needs to learn little things. Caleb Higgins is the local kid, the the DB from Sacramento that everyone seems to love. Um, some some other outs. Uh, General Williams is out for the spring. This is, this is kind of funny to me just because last week when we were talking to Wilcox, he said that um, like no one was out for spring ball. <laughs> like, you know, we they yeah. had some like day to day stuff, but no one was out. And then within like a five day span, like we immediately have outs. So Jenna Williams is out. He says Ethan Saunders and Curly Young are currently injured. Uh, Aaron Maldonado uh, also out for spring ball. So that's four guys currently out for spring ball. And uh, I believe that is it. That's all. So. Any of those uh, quotes or talking points stand out to you, Andy? No. The only thing that stands out to me is one picture. (laughs) And that picture is of Jermaine Terry. (laughs) Holy shit. That guy is huge. He is going to be insane. He looks like Vernon Davis. He does. He actually (laughs) does. Like body type wise. It's, oh my goodness. Like he's going to be household name. Yep. Like, I don't know if I've ever been as excited for a freshman since Marshawn. <laughs> that's that's how excited I am about Jermaine Terry. I try to, like, cool the hype, but after that, I was like, oh, my goodness. And then everyone's like, he gained weight. And then his coach was like, no, nah, it's good weight. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, he's going to be so good. Oh, yeah. my goodness. The tight end position is going to be – Night and day. I like what they said about with Reinwald potentially playing that H-back fullback position. I think that makes sense. He's um, a good blocker. He's a, he's a really good blocker, and he was the primary blocking tight end, right? Yeah. So I think it's and it'll be good. That'll be uh, that'll be good for run heavy sets. I think that's that's a nice option to have. Think about uh, and uh, man, I'm just, I'm very excited. I think you know I think it's interesting that the backup QB position is open. I assume that it's Brash and Jaden Casey for that, unless I'm forgetting someone. Zach Johnson. Yeah, but... Uh, and yes. Then, and then Kai coming into the fall. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's... I, I wonder, it, you know, it'd be interesting to sort of see how that plays out. And then, yeah, can someone actually make a run at Garbers or not? I don't know. But... 
uh, Jeremiah Hunter, I did not know. Like, I think the the fact that he had that injury and it was as, as you know somewhat sounded sound, somewhat serious, and now he's back playing in spring ball. Like, that's huge. So for those that haven't listened to us or listened to us for the first time, we've been singing praises to Jeremiah Hunter for quite a while, and so is Nam and, and the rivals guys. They've kind of pinpointed him as as someone who's going to be really good. So that's huge for this team to have that wide receiver especially where we have losses so man yeah i mean spring ball is always a good time for like ever ever building optimism Mm -hmm. but just like the early photos i did see the video where they put the kendrick track you know from black panther that one yeah um and i was like i do miss the video guys (laughs) i went to usc (laughs) yeah i was like ah man that guy that left his stuff was dope <laughs> yeah i think they're i think they're they're working through it um they'll figure it out but they i i do know like i think the the staff understands the fact that a lot of this stuff also helps them in recruiting and building up hype um so they're definitely gonna they're gonna get more accustomed to it and and uh like they're gonna take it more seriously you know it's not just like an afterthought social media thing like they they fully understand now it has a huge role within recruiting. But, yeah. You know the fun thing about that Jermaine Terry photo is the thing that me and Peter talked about uh, in the in the Right for California Slack is uh, Brett Johnson in the background just standing there with his hands on his hips with a with a midriff. <laughs> like, like full fully, like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott-style midriff just going. <laughs> He's just standing there. He's like, this, this little kid... <laughs> <laughs> like running down the line, um, it's so good. It's so good. I love the. I love it. I absolutely love it. And the thing with Jermaine Terry that you know, I guess uh, people don't know the the real backstory of our conversations, like behind the scenes, was basically we saw the rosters come out, and then we saw his weight increase, and we were like, "Whoa, that dude's been eating! <laughs> like he has been gaining weight." And then we were like, we were curious because we were like, "All right." How much, like, an as an offseason, you know, with him not playing high school football, like, this this past year, how much did he actually, like, what could he have possibly done to have gone gained that weight, like, you know, good weight-wise? No, but I we were, like, we were totally wrong because <laughs> just judging from the photo, it looks like that dude has lived in a weight room. Like, that's all <laughs> yeah. he's done. It's, it's, like, it's like when they go to the to prep for the draft yeah 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 it's like pre-draft or like college form patrick laird versus pre-draft patrick laird you're like (laughs) what the hell has this dude been eating it's like a two and a half month span and he like turns into a like a a a monster with his physique his veins are bigger than my arms man like dude is huge yeah he's absolutely ripped uh, I can't think of a player like Desarte Yarnway had enormous arms, like enormous arms. But Jermaine Terry looks so that's just super exciting. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. 
Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters like Rob, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get pe- get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting chart site would charge you for just the initial setup. Coincidentally, the same rate I pay for uh, SoundCloud Premium. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that is bwhustle.com join. Andy, I want before we move on. Andy, I want your take on um on the Trey Pastor stuff because they moved him down to inside linebacker. There's been photos of uh Coin taking reps and like practices with the outside linebackers. Like there's a tweet out there or an Instagram video where it like says like here's our outside line like our outside linebackers group like going to work, and it's like the first photos of Coin Dang. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I know we're reading too much into it, but what do you think of that move and the potential of, you know, the linebackers kind of maybe potentially being reshuffled or, you know, specific packages? I think what we saw last season with coin was a progression and his best games happened later in the year than his early, you know, he just got better as the season went on. However, if we're looking at like that dude, who is a physical freak of nature that I think is we've always sort of been thinking about what could he do in that OLB type of position. So overall, I, I kind of like it, frees him up. And he's just going to be a nightmare for anyone, whether, you know, whether he's, if he's going to rush, like he's just going to be an absolute force. So I think it's, uh, you know, and he's different from like an Evan Weaver. Like Evan Weaver was a bit more all over the field, and making a lot of plays kind of in the middle of what I say in the middle of the field, whereas maybe coin can be more of a force, like actually at the line than Evan Weaver was. 
And I mean, I like it. I think it's a it's an interesting move. What about like, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm just thinking like you have Brett Johnson at nose guard, right? Or even outside, let's say. And then let's say one of the younger guys on the defensive end steps up, right? Like let's say uh, Achilles steps up, or um, oh my goodness, uh, Derek Wilkins steps up and is able to do do some things. Then that that gives you some more options, right? And from a from an offensive coordinator's perspective, like how the hell do you shift your line? Like you know, if you go with a five man front, like or like a five five offensive lineman with no extra help. Do you shift if, and then you see and then you see Coin Dang on one side and then you see Cam Good on the other and then you see Brett Johnson in the middle. You know you have to double team Brett, right? There's no way you're going to leave him one-on-one with a center or a guard. So, if you do that, then who do you leave one-on-one or shift to the outside? Do you give it do you shift it to Coin? Like who's the athletic freak of nature or do you shift it to Cam Good who Historically and statistically, is our best pass rusher over the last few years, right? Like who, who, like what do you do? And if you're gonna bring in a tight end, then that limits your passing options. If you're gonna bring him in the block, and then that plays into our favor because we have less people to guard. So, I personally like the move. Um, I also thought that maybe this is just like my like naive thinking, but. Like maybe they've seen enough of Coin at inside linebacker. Like they're they're just they realize like, hey, we know what Coin gives us at inside linebacker. He knows everything like down like because he's been working with Sermon. Let's let him get some reps at outside linebacker this spring so we can kind of diversify it. And come in the fall, he'll have gotten a full years like two years at inside linebacker. And then we also forget he played outside linebacker when he was at Independence, which means that we're just we're just getting him up to speed again at playing outside linebacker. And now that just diversifies how you can use him um, either inside or outside. I like it. And I think with pastor, because it's been a while since we talked about Trey pastor, let's remember the schools that were in on him, Oregon, Arizona, UCLA, Utah, Washington, USC. Mm Mm-hmm. He had offers from everyone except for SD. Um, this is like 6'3", 190. What, he's 225 now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And, you know, a GA, GA recruit. Yeah. This dude this, this dude probably can ball. <laughs> and it's going to be exciting. I mean, if we, I think if we can... It could be a really, it could be one of those moves that I think makes a lot of sense, and maybe it works really well, or uh, maybe it doesn't look as good, and then you just rotate back, like what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because look, he he has all the defensive back like skill set, right? And then he was working with the star position all of last se- last season, which means he has some outside linebacker slash linebacker uh, experience. So, and then now with that frame. You could if you if his if his speed translates into pass rush and ability to cover the field, like in that middle area. I think that this could pay dividends in the long run because you could drop him into coverage and he won't feel awkward dropping into coverage because he's used to it. Yeah, I'm all for it. 
but I'm I, I want to see it. I want to see it in person. It's just we just we just can't. Like I would love to like be out there and, and watching him take reps at inside linebacker and see like what he's good at. Is he good at dropping back into coverage? Is he comfortable doing that from the linebacker spot? Is he comfortable more being up close in the box? Is he is he like does he know how to drop his shoulder and and get past guys? Like does he know what to do? Like we just don't know. They won't let us in, and for good reason. But they won't let us in. It's like, <laughs> I go it's wounded. That, it's that it's that like let me in gift. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let me in. Uh that yeah. is so funny. Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully this season, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be able to be there. Yep. I concur. Um the last thing we're gonna talk about today before we move on to your fan questions, uh we're not talking about basketball today because next week we have a very special uh, basketball end of the season recap pod uh, with some guests. So look, be on the lookout for that. But our last little story tidbit and conversation today is uh, going over John Wilner's article that dropped, uh, I believe, yes, or last week, which was about Cal Athletics turning a profit in the fiscal year 20 thanks to a massive assist from Central Campus. This is from his article. Uh, Cal's latest financial report includes two jaw-dropping but interconnected numbers. The Bears finished the 2020 fiscal year with a 3.2 million surplus in a pandemic, but received $25.1 million in university support, support that was booked as revenue. Both numbers were encountered to establish norms in Berkeley were huge and shortfall year-end shortfalls and steep excuse me, faculty resistance to athletics are as co- commonplace as gluten-free options. The $25.1 million in direct institutional aid represents a six-fold increase over the average from the five previous years, and there's coming loads more. Uh, the enormous assist from Central Campus is part of a long-term strategy crafted by Chancellor Carol Christ and Athletic Director Jim Knowlton to eventually corral the Bears' unbalanced budget. The, Bear, the plan was discussed with Academic Senate in the interest of cross-campus transparency. Christ explained her support in a letter to the campus community that was published more than a year ago. You can find that um, on the Cal Bears website. But um, I don't think I need to go into more specific numbers. But basically, you know, the, the stadium renovation basically put us in the red, like real deep into the red. And we've been struggling trying to make payments on that debt. Uh, but finally, when Chris came in, they were like, we're a part of the same like campus and university. We're going to help each other out. And they started to invest. I don't, I don't want to say invest, but they just started to help each other out. And uh, now we're in the green. Yeah, got any thoughts on this, Andy? I think Carol Chris is like the best. Just the best. <laughs> <laughs> She's fantastic. I, I love the quote that she had about her support of, you know, the athletics and student athletes. I think she's in a, she's really, you know, as from as far as chancellors go, she's top notch. She's my favorite by far. Um, I think that what I'm thinking I'm understanding from this is that they covered it with a tremendous giving campaign, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, and I think from having a, you know, a partner in my life that is in the financial giving, especially for the business school at USF. 
understand like how important that is to a university. Mm-hmm. And so maybe Carol's gone and taken a lot of strategic initiatives there. I've definitely donated, uh, especially during the pandemic. I donated some of my stimulus check back to Cal. And they're really good. You know, Diana has even mentioned to me how good they are. Like, I don't donate in large amounts, and yet they write me personalized notes from student athletes on the crew team thanking me for my donation. I always donate to crew. Uh, the Gary Rogers Endowment, mm-hmm. he's a family friend of mine, uh, amazing, amazing guy, and uh, love Cal Crew. So I always donate to crew. And yeah, I get these letters from student athletes thanking me for my donations. I get access to special events. Like I got invited to our signing day press conference and like all these other things. And I'm like this measly old dude that has a podcast with this other guy, you know, it's like, (laughs) and so they do a really good job of making me feel like very important, which I'm clearly not. So I, if that's part of the strategy, then I think they're just doing a really strong job. I mean, I don't know, like you six X university donations, I'm assuming some of that is because of the pandemic and there's a lot of donors out there that were like, we want you guys to be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just like looking through a Wilner's article, like um, it's a, apparently it's a six year strategic plan that features a step down model for campus assistance from 25 million currently to a goal of 13.3. Right. So I think the 13.3 number is probably something where the university and the academic side was like, all right, that's a donation that we can manage like consistently. Like that's not, that's not overreaching. That's not something that's hard to attain. Um, and we're going to and work our way from there. That's, that's how I read it. Um, but if we're turning a, if we're turning a profit in a pandemic, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know like how to think of this, uh, that also makes me think that if this year wasn't a pandemic year, because this this was the first year that that uh, that the help from the academic side of campus like came in, right? I can't help but wonder like if we actually had fans in the stands and like actual real revenue like on game days, would that like in the green number be significantly higher this year? Well, okay, so here's the I mean the interesting piece here too is. Uh, what Carol says in the piece, which is that basically what was happening with Cal was every year they reported their numbers, they had to report their numbers in a way that made it seem like they were in a tremendous amount of debt. Mm-hmm. And every year that, so all I would hear from other rival friends, you know, Fan friends bases. of mine that went to rival yeah. schools would say, you know, it seems like an awful way to run a university, blah, blah, blah. Are you guys ever going to even have programs? You know, all those type of things. So, and it was just because of the way that we're reporting the numbers. So all she's saying is, hey, we stopped, like we switched that and it wasn't a good way to budget and that it unfairly conveyed the sense that what was actually an efficiently and effectively managed department did not know how to handle its resources. Smart, right? Every year, something's being published saying Cal's losing $20 million a year. And they're like, no, it's just how we balance our books. And someone's smart enough to say, okay, let's stop balancing our books that way if it's going to give us a bunch of negative PR. Very smart decision. So whoever that was, great job. Kudos. Pat yourself on the back. But I think as far as them getting into the black, I think the big thing I would take away from this is, you know, Wilner's article I don't think does enough 
uh, to celebrate the fact, like when you get a six X increase in support in a fiscal year, I, that's crazy. So something's working, and uh, you know, kudos to them. It's it's huge. Uh, that's what we want to see. Yeah, two point three million dollars of extra money in the bank. Now, <laughs> what's also interesting is football is clearly in the black by like. Yeah. $4.3 million. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's that's also without cutting anybody. Like, you know, like Utah, like, furloughed their entire, like, athletics department to, like, make the to make the money work. We didn't do any of that. At least reporting-wise, there was none of that. We didn't we didn't fire anyone. We didn't, no one had to take any pay cuts. Like, everyone who was there stayed there. They somehow made it work. And then... Basketball, though, jeez, they said that the it was in the black, but only by a couple, a, hun, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you skin of your teeth, which is weird. I don't totally understand why that would be the case, unless it, unless it's we're paying Mark Fox a lot. I mean, what, I don't eight, know. Eight point three million over five years with a seventy-five or. Is it $75,000? $75,000 increase in salary every year. I think this year it was like 1.3 or something like that, or 1.6. Um, I don't think this we're paying him that much. Like In terms of a, a college basketball coach's uh, salary. But, I mean, that, that comes down to, one, people... Renewing season tickets, right? Um, like merchandise, all that, all that good stuff, and that's probably significantly lower than it's ever been at Cal. Oh, has to be. Yeah, has to be. Oh, oh, the the headache, which is men's basketball. Man, I even read Nick's article and everything. I was ready to go. You want to talk about it? We can talk about it. Give me your th- I'm just gonna pay, I'm just gonna paint a hypothetical and sure. kind of like just go yeah, there. Yeah. So all right, so this this will actually be our last th- point of conversation. We are gonna t- we are gonna leave this off, uh, but since Andy brought it up, we'll talk about it. Which is Nick's uh, Monday column on Right for California, which is talking about year two of Mark Fox, what changed, what stayed the same, and you know what hope is there for the future. And that's what we talked about. But go and read it. I highly recommend it. But in the meantime, Andy, pay me a picture. Yeah, so not to spoil anything, but Nick does a tremendous job doing uh, sort of an analysis, year-over-year change, offense, defense, what, what look just looking at the numbers, kind of what changed, what didn't, um, how did it change, what does it mean for the program. So my hypothetical to you is let's say you hire Justin Wilcox, and Justin Wilcox comes in, and within two years, here's the changes that happened. The area that you were hired for was very clearly defense. The defense did not get better. It actually got worse. It got worse. So, like, you took over Sonny Dyke's defense, and it got worse. But Sonny Dyke's offense, which was already pretty good, got better. It's not a total, <laughs> totally yeah. perfect yeah. hypothetical. <laughs> uh, it's not but- a like-for-like comparison, but... Continue, Not a please. totally one-to-one here, yeah. but that's what I'm going for. You're two years in. You hired someone to do something. They've improved. 
offensively, but in the area in which their expertise is, they've declined. You're the AD. What do you do? See, that's the that's the hard part. Like, do you? Because, because okay, let's think about let's think about the, the the person aspect of it too, right? Because you hired this guy, right? You're the AD that hired him. Do you give him the extra year because it's your guy that you hired? Like, there is that personal aspect to it. Because the moment you fire him is the moment that you're telling people, hey, I made the wrong hire. But the flip side of that is you're owning up to your mistake quicker and making up for it and riding the ship, right? So I don't know how that direction would go. Like if I was in those shoes, like what is it? Because you know, from a analytics standpoint, or like a game, and and you look at the win win losses, like that this season was a fireable offense. <laughs> like let's let's be clear, it it was a fireable offense. But everyone's there's a lot of people that are giving him the oh it was COVID this year, he's still playing with Vikings players, like give him time to recruit his own players, but. He's had two recruiting cycles. He has eight players that he recruited on the team. You know, it's not a full roster change, but and people are like, oh, they didn't really have a point guard this year. Well, whose whose job is it to get a point guard on this team? You know where my thoughts are on this. Like, I would make the change in an instant. You know, and we've been talking about like his contract because I wrote an article about his contract uh, when they when he first signed it for CGB, and you can go back. And look for it on CGB. Uh, just Google it, like CGB Mark Fox contract. And I did a whole breakdown on it. And we were trying to figure out, like, what his buyout would be this year and all that. Because, you know, we were, like, looking at Vikings buyout. And there wasn't a buyout. It was a straight $5 million over five years. And the buyout was the rest of the contract. So we were like, all right, how much money? Because we, we still owe another million by 2022 for Viking. Like, can we afford another buyout for another coach? But I guess... I was talking to someone through Twitter teams and we're like, you know, if we really wanted to make this work, we could backload the next coach's contract where the real money for him doesn't start kicking in until, you know, year three or four. But in the contract, we'll say that we owe you, you know, like 100% of your salary if we were to fire you, you know, by year two or year three. So you could do that. Um, but yeah, you know my thoughts, but I want your takes. I don't know. After reading the article, I actually kind of shifted away and was like, well, one, Nick writes like year three is a given, which I think is actually pretty smart because yeah. I think it is. I think any of the yeah. speculation that we have is just that. It's just speculation. No, and I don't think he's kinda, getting fired. Yeah. So it's helpful to have that mindset. But as you read it, I'm like, well, hmm, maybe year three. I don't know. If, if, I, if it was sales and i hired you to come in and lead my sales department and you like didn't improve the sales at all in fact it actually got worse but the product got better because of you or like you know people were happier or something like that it's like uh I sort of hired you to do this one thing though <laughs> you know it's like nice that you did the other stuff but the one thing that I kind of hired you for, you're not really doing, and it's gotten worse. I mean, sales is like it's it's tough, maybe tough equivalently, 
But I still, th- I, I, I don't know. I, I think in that situation, and then yeah, are you? Is it your guy? Does that you know? COVID. What is COVID? But an excuse or um, you know, an, an opportunity to champion, right? Yeah, it, it sort of feels like some people are like, ah, uh, you know covid who could have possibly done it other people are like yeah covid we kicked ass and it just doesn't seem like there's any middle ground there where it's like oh you know i think you look at everything objectively and yes could you have anticipated something like covid happening no but how much impact should it really be having now like what we've talked about right kind of beyond where we should be seeing improvement. That's the big thing for me with, with with basketball. It's just easy to see. Like it's easy to spot. It's like, are you seeing improvement later in the season? So like you look at football, everyone all up in arms. Oh, Wilcox is dykes with better PR, blah, blah, blah. All right. So you look at the season, what happened? We got better and better and better and better. Every single week we improved. Basketball, we haven't done that. We got somewhat competitive we got randomly competitive shooting a lot of threes and then we played the worst teams in the conference and got whooped and that to me is like that's not a team that's on the rise that's a team that's still figuring out its identity and is it really okay to be figuring out an identity two years into a deal i don't think so identity comes first it's just like you just have the perfect example on the football side Wilcox comes in, he's defensive minded. We're gonna do he goes, comes in, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. That's what he said. And then guess what they did? All of those things. Right? Like, okay, cool, awesome. You said you're gonna go do these things, you did all those things, great. Whereas basketball, it's like, we kind of said we were gonna go do these things, but we didn't do those things, and we did some other ones, and we weren't really expecting those other ones, but then we're still kind of like, hey, you said that you were gonna do those things, those things still aren't being done. <laughs> And that's sort of why I would probably lead towards lean towards making the change because your bet that someone's going to figure shit out in an area of expertise that they've really, you know, that's their core strength in year three, that should have been year one. And, and so for me, I go get Dennis Gates. <laughs> I I think you make the best point here is that the people that keep saying oh it's a COVID year it's a wipe it's a COVID year it's a wipe and we've talked about this so many times on this podcast but I will still rephrase nonetheless I think the COVID stuff definitely affected early on in the season right because you didn't have the normal like you know um, ramp up or the normal summer that you normally have with your players. And that was also evident in football, right? You saw, like, our first week. Like, against even even the UCLA week, it was just like, granted, that was like a you know 24-hour turnaround to a new opponent and all that. But just no one looked, you know, physically fit in order, to, in order to play. And I understand that. And if we lost, like, the first, like, you know, seven or eight games in a row, sure, we can toss it up to COVID. But as the season went on, we didn't have any stoppages due to COVID, unlike other teams like ASU or Oregon or, heck, even Stanford. They weren't even playing at home. They were playing out in Santa Cruz, right? So, you know, they had more COVID issues to deal with in season. Yet, every during the season, they looked to get better and better. Stanford, eh, you know, they might not even make the tourney now, but, you know, they still had a pretty decent year. 
yeah. you know, top top half of the conference. So, but with the Bears, it 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 just seemed to like get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and it just and then we had like that little blip of a Utah win, and then it just went worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Like it just and it it just did that, and there was nothing like we could do. People were like, oh yeah, like you know, Matt Matt was injured, or you know, Grant had the the appendectomy and he couldn't play, and I was like. You can't you can't link COVID and those injuries together, because injuries happen in any season, regardless, right? Like the, the injury thing wasn't a direct implication of COVID. Like if he if he had gotten COVID and was like out, right? You know because he had tested positive for two or three weeks. Sure, that's COVID related, like you know, injury. But like Matt getting the twist or like the the sprained ankle on the court, like that's a part of the that's a part of the season, right? that's a part of like playing a sport that's like it's on court stuff so like I, I i just don't understand how you can link those two things together and say ah, i point to coven and i point to matt getting injured like those are the two reasons why like i t- totally understand and i totally um agree that matt being injured over like the those two week spans weren't great but at the same time a lot of people agree that those two weeks might be the best basketball that we saw this team play over two weeks so, yeah. so like, there's there's just so many things you got to juggle. But all in all, defensive coach, non-existent defense, eight wins, three wins. The fundamental, the fundamental thing here too is like basketball. The contracts that college coaches get are just so stupid, beyond <laughs> dumb. You know, it's like it's like nothing I've ever seen. You know, it's a it mimics the pros but it doesn't mimic professional world it can a bit but it really doesn't and it's just the fact that a coach that's out of work comes in gets a five-year deal where eight million dollars and then you're on the hook for as much as we're on the hook for dude it's like for a coach like that like i feel like it should be more of like a prove yourself type of contract because there wasn't a proving commodity as much. I mean, it, it was kind of there with the success at Georgia, but like not really. You've made enough good points about that. That that was more of a mirage than what it really was. I don't know. So I, I think the contract thing is the one thing here where it's like, yeah, well, damn. You know, for me, it's like, you're all right, you're a Natwell employee. Goodbye. <laughs> no, it's, it's not actually like that, but like, you know, that's, that's like the business world, but, uh, I, with this, it's just like there's such a financial decision that comes along with it. Yeah. This belief that three years is <sighs> all I will say something that one of my friends said, which is all we can do is hope for the best and hope that we're wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like, I went back to like read some of like Nolan's quotes and stuff from like Mark Fox's presser and, and when White King was fired and all that. And like one of the things he says is like he's a he said he's a firm believer in giving coaches three years. I think that that's the nail in the coffin in terms of Mark Fox coming back next year. Um, at the same time, he said like White King, we had to let White King go because he didn't feel like he could galvanize the 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 fan base. And that's clearly the same here. Like, there's, I guarantee. I mean, you said you've said this point so many times, which is if you know we had fans in Haas this year and we had the same, you know, win loss record, like 
my God, like the seats would have been empty by the time the season was over. Like there would have been no one there. Um, so I think that's there. Um, and it's possible. The only reason like, you know, we joke around about this is, but we did the numbers. Like I went back and looked at his contract and I did the numbers and what, what was it? It was like, um, and like I, I did the math. I think it's like his buyout. If we were to fire him before April 1st, it would end up being like 1.2 mil ish. But if we wait until after April 1st, then one, we'd have to pay out his entire contract for this upcoming season. And then on top of that, he gets a retaining bonus of like 500K or something like that in January. Um, so it ends up being a lot more. So who knows? That's why I, that's why I joked about it, just because they're like, oh, we turned a, a what, like a $3.2 million profit? Oh, that's just enough to <laughs> just enough to pay the buyout to get fox but i doubt that's happening so we're in for another year of fox i i honestly believe and i think you i think all of us believe we're in for another year of fox so yeah he's he's got a tough job to do man and it's not his fault either like you know if you're offered an eight million dollar contract even if you didn't you don't think it's the right fit for you I think you still take the money that's on the, the contract. I think you can you can somehow coerce yourself into believing that, you know, this is the right fit for you if there's $8 million on the table. Yeah, I could do that. I could easily do that. could convince myself into Co- many things. Convince yourself to be a Stanford fan for five years if someone paid you $8 million. I think, would you do it? No, never. Would you do it? No, that's the Not one thing you want to do? No way. <laughs> I, I just... I could tell myself, oh, yeah, like maybe, no. Eight years? Or five five years? Because you'd have to stick it out. One year of sitting with the chummy Stanford fans. Oh, <laughs> Once a year. At least once a year. Gosh, that would just be the worst feeling. I'd be dead inside. <laughs> Money ain't worth that, folks. Uh, we're, need, we're going to being a Stanford fan. All right. Well, uh, this is a longer pod than I expected it to be, um, but... We have one question before we go on to our victory cannon. The one question comes from Sid. She says, out of the recruits who have Cal in their top choices, who do you want to commit to Cal and why? Number one, Sid, always appreciate the questions. Keep them coming. Go Bears. Stay strong up there in Oregon. Who knows? She might be home. Could be home. Yeah. Could be home. Regardless. Yeah. Go Bears. Of the recruits. I'm, I'm looking at the 2020 Cal football recruits and uh, the high choices right now. Oh, is... we're not saying the 20. We're not saying this year's upcoming class. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she's talking about like out of the out of the people who have Cal in their top choices. Like, who All right, that's we... what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who would we want okay. next? Who's our next guy up? Uh, I'm looking at 24-7 and their high choices are. Gavin Sawchuk, who's a running back from Colorado, a five-star running back from Colorado. The number one running back in the country, by the way. Uh, Sebastian Cheeks from Evanston, Illinois, who's outside linebacker, a four-star. 14th outside linebacker in the country. Sherrod Coville from Chesapeake, Virginia. Safety from 16th best safety in the country. And DJ Weselak from Boonville, Missouri. Weak side defensive end. Four-star, 13th at his position. Personally, if it was out of those four guys, I'd probably take the outside linebacker. I'd probably take Sebastian Cheeks. 
Okay. Just because I think that's the most need for for our uh, offense. Like we need like a we need a freaking star at outside linebacker, especially one to pick up the pieces after Coin, who's kind of playing outside linebacker, and uh, Cam Good have left. I mean, I'd love a five-star running back, <laughs> but I think we also we also have some good running backs in our running back room right now. Mm. Well, this is a tough question. I'm going to go, and I'm going to say the name wrong. Go for it. Tavarua? <laughs> Tafiti. What position yes. does he play and where is he from? Outside linebacker. What list are you looking at? <laughs> Going for it, man. He's from Hawaii. I love players from Hawaii. Cal, Stanford, Notre Dame, Oregon, UCLA, Vanderbilt, Virginia, and Washington. Oh, yeah. Schools that are offered. He's, we're in his top eight. Yep. Offered him back in September. 6'3", 222 pounds, 19th best outside linebacker in the country number one in this number one prospect in the state okay yeah i can roll with that that's a good pick huh kind of yeah. surprised you on that one yeah another four but you and i both picked four star outside linebackers i know great minds yeah i also will just take this moment to appreciate that i caught rob off guard you did Ka-ching. you did you did you definitely did um, I think the low, the low key guy here also for me is uh, Austin Terry, the tight end. Um, he's his tape's really good, and he's from Washington, six five two thirty, and I would love to get another another tight end into the mix alongside Jermaine Terry and Kaleki Latu. I mean, my I know, and then like Justin Martin for me is kind of like the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Yeah, so excited for him. Just keep him. Just please. Just please keep yeah. him. There's been like rumors about like UCLA like trying to go hard after him. Um after that after the, the one kid committed to uh Texas, the Southern California quarterback. So just keep Justin Martin with Cal, please, please. I mean he's I I've heard he's recruiting guys to Cal, so uh, that's always a good sign. Yeah. Like if he's gonna if he's the recruiter, then he's like sold on it. But please, 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 please. All right. That's our only fan question for the day. We end with our victory cannon. No sound effects, so I'm going to just do it with my voice. Um, Andy, do you have something to add to the victory cannon for the week? Yes. Ooh, what is it? I'm incredibly excited this week to announce my victory cannon contribution. There's a show that is perfect for now. It's the show that we deserve and you deserve to have in your life a show that is about the best of people and the worst of people lying deceit truth loyalty all in one WandaVision? what show am i <laughs> not wandavision what show am i talking about survivor survivor is the best show on television Wow. Right now, Netflix has two seasons on. Season 28 and season 20. I haven't seen season 20 yet. Please don't spoil it for me. Season 28 is one of the best seasons of television I have ever seen. Watch it. You will not be disappointed. And give it a couple of episodes to build up. 
the way that the game has evolved and developed over time, I've now gone from watching season 28 to season 29, season 30, season 31, and I am now on season 32 in about two months. <laughs> I will be a prescri- I will be a subscriber of Paramount Plus because I already am a subscriber of CBS Access. Exactly. And I can't wait for no ads, baby. There better not be ads on Paramount Plus. Otherwise, I am refunding. So, back to Survivor. It's incredible. It is so watchable, so bingeable. And yes, I will respond to any and all Survivor comments on Twitter. That is my victory cannon for today. That's a good one, man. Um, that's, I mean, we talked about Survivor and so, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's one of those things that just perfectly parlayed its way into, (laughs) into the podcast. (laughs) Um, all right. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. I got one that that's going to take you a little bit by surprise. I don't think you, you would have expected this from me, uh, but I'm trying to find the tweet right now. So give me a real, real quick second here. Uh, sweet. All right. So, Andy, what was what was the month of February? Black History Month. Awesome. Do you know what this month is? St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Daylight savings changes. <laughs> what is uh, like what like you know like Black History Month? Like what is this month? Ah, wait. This is a this is. A, no, I know this. <laughs> what is March? Tell me what March is. Spring. <laughs> <laughs> I will spare you uh, the embarrassment. It is Women's History Month. Oh my god, I knew that. <laughs> it's Women's. It's, inter- it's International Women's Day is coming up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, coming up real soon. Um, and what I am going to put into the victory cannon is from a former Cal women's basketball player, Alicia Styles, who is out in out at uh, Maryland now, but of course she's always will be a a, a bear. Um, she started a brand um, on her Twitter page, and I'm gonna just read it word for word because I think that's what does it the best. It's uh this is way out of my comfort zone, but I'll plug myself one time. I started a brand to help support single-parent households and to be the start of something bigger than myself. Check out my website or retweet whichever one of your heart desires all love with a heart. Uh, the website is myownbrandsimple.shop. And uh, it's just – there's, like, these sweaters and T-shirts um, all with, you know, like this – it's super clean. Um, and, like, the shirts say, like – one says I define myself. Another one says the grass is greener wherever I am. Um, and there's like a little logo on the on the shoulder or what's on the sleeve. Um, and they're like super nice, like pastel tone colors too. I that is what I'm gonna put into the Victory Cannon this year because I will probably end up buying one for myself um, if they have men's sizes, which I think they do. So they have like hoodies, they have T-shirts. Go and take a look. Um, help support a former bear and her cause um, that's, you know, bigger than herself and for Women's History Month. I think it's perfect. This is cool. It's super cool. 
I ran across it today, plug. and I was like, "This is a, uh, this is definitely what I'm putting into the, the, uh, the docket." Yeah, awesome. Really good choice. Yeah. See, you brought you brought home the Black History Month stuff last month or last week, so I I had to bring, I had to bring something, uh, of more you know stature than an Apple TV Plus TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I went for Survivor. <laughs> See, we flipped. Daylight, we flipped. We sur- flipped. The Survivor and Daylight Savings. <laughs> uh, daylight Savings. Uh, spring. I think that was your best answer. Spring. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, that's it for us. Uh, if you have anything you want us to add to the Victory Canon, let us know. Tweet at us. Email us. DM us. Whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWH. You can find Andy at AndyJBeastMode. And you can find all our stuff uh, on Twitter at, at GoldenBearCast. You can find all of our rich stuff at RightToTelephone.com. And I believe that's it. We have Andy is going on vacation for a couple weeks. Um, so we will be having guests on for the next few weeks. We have a bunch of super cool guest lineup. I am super stoked for the guest lineup over the next few weeks. It's going to be insane. We got basketball, we got soccer, we got uh, more basketball, we got football. It's, it's insane. Uh, it's it's going to be super epic. So be uh, on the lookout for that. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. That's where I'll probably post who our guest of the week is going to be so that you can ask us questions and uh, any of that any of those sorts but and that's it right I think that's it and as always go Bears go Bears Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.